Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. I want to share with you that I get a bunch of emails every single day and I don't need them. You know, my spam inbox loves to get all these messages. I lead uh, to this direction and I know that cold email can work well if you do it right. That's why I'm so excited this topic with Laura Lopez. Tell about okay. yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to take this topic called email. I actually didn't really pick the topic. The topic picked me. Um, so it was almost, <laughs> it was back in 2015. So a long time ago, I quit my full-time job and decided to start this like freelancing thing seriously. And I didn't have any clients and I hated the idea of cold calling didn't have any contacts, no referral network, no budget for ads. So I started cold emailing. And um, like I said, the topic kind of picked me. And so about four months into cold emailing, I signed a, what would become a $20,000 client. And along the path, I realized that my approach to cold emailing was really different than anybody else's approach. And I also realized that not many people got any results from cold emailing, whereas I was getting results from cold emailing. So like I said, the topic kind of like picked me and um, I think it's super interesting, actually, this idea of emailing a stranger to ask them to mm -hmm. do something, uh, which is what a cold email basically is. Like you're, you're <laughs> emailing someone to take an action that they hadn't ever really thought of taking. And, uh, Kind of the psychology and the logistics behind that is super interesting to me. So I kind of stuck with the topic. <laughs> okay, nice, nice. Okay, let's start from the basic. Can you tell yeah. uh, how to uh, find recipients? I mean, like to create this list of emails. Because, you know, uh, I see when companies can buy a list of emails and uh, it's not a good idea. Possible it works, but not good, low conversion. Can you tell about uh, getting a list of emails before uh, creating any campaigns? Yeah, I'm so glad you're asking this question because so often people skip like right to like, what do I put in an email? But it actually works better if you start with the person that you're emailing and then craft the email around that person. And that's that's the method that I teach my clients and the method that I used um, repeatedly to get more clients when I was building my business. So really, mm -hmm. you want to look for someone who has a problem that you can solve. So if you're a website designer, look for someone with an outdated website, right? Where's where's the gap that you can plug and only you can plug? Um, maybe if you're like a conversion copywriter, you stumble across someone's landing page that has like low, uh, maybe like poor, poor methods, right? That you suspect are affecting their conversions. That's something that you can reach out to them about. So really, you want to start with the person that you're reaching out with to and ask yourself, like, do they have a problem? And if they do, can I help them solve this problem? And if the answer is yes to both of those things, then they can go on your list. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, okay. Let's talk about uh, how to write an email oh. that people want to read. Because, you know, I see you know, uh, a lot of templates and I can smell it. I can feel it, you know, uh, <laughs> templates, you know, it, it's, I don't know. Uh, yeah, 
it's thinking. Can you tell how to write an email that it's interesting to read because people have, uh, you know, in most cases, they open and uh, leave it, you know, for a few seconds. So how to convince them to read the entire email? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the big question, right? So really, <laughs> you want to start off again with the person. Like, who are you emailing? What? Who's the human on the other side of the screen that you're emailing? And don't start off... Um, so often I see templates that are designed for mass mailings, right? And they're operating on the idea that it's a spray and pray. It's a numbers game, right? And cold emailing actually isn't, especially when you start to boil it down to who's the person that I'm emailing? Who's the person on the other side of the screen that's reading this, this email, this letter from me to them? And how can I get to know them a little bit? How can I see them as a person? How can I connect with them? Basically, as humans, we're all wired for connection. That's how humans as a race have survived for so many years. Yeah. It's also the reason why if, if a baby starts crying on an airplane, everybody gets all tense because we're hardwired to need to connect. And that baby crying is a call for connection. So how can you connect? to your cold email reader in the first line, in the first paragraph. And that's really where you can get someone hooked and have them read all the way down to your, keep reading your email and not just like click out after 0 0.002 seconds <laughs> of opening your email. Like how can you connect with them? And the mm -hmm. biggest way to, to connect is actually to pay them a genuine compliment. The cool thing about paying someone a compliment is their brain, research has found their brain fires in the same way when receiving a compliment as they as their brain fires when receiving money. So if I were mm -hmm. to give you like a hundred bucks right now, your brain would fire in the exact same way as if I gave you a compliment, which is super cool. So pay someone a genuine compliment, do some research on that person, figure out something that you can connect with them on and figure out what kind of compliment you can pay them to get them feeling good about themselves and also paying attention to your email and not clicking away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Valuable. Okay. Let's talk uh, about personalization. You know, okay. um, for example, uh, I love to personalize experience, but I use templates yeah. and, you know, because uh, I have templates for the sake of uh, having frame. So I have frame and I can rephrase everything from this template mm -hmm. uh, to rewrite from scratch, but I need to see this frame. Uh, but sometimes I can send a template just to change a few words and it works well. So, uh, and um, uh, if, for example, even when I reach out to Neil Patel, I use template, you know, to change a few words. I, I, I know, okay, for example, if I write to Neil Patel, I can uh, write a lot of compliments, but he can get these compliments from anyone, anybody else. He's great uh, in digital marketing. So why I need to write that everyone can write for, to him? So I decided to use just template, you know, to change a, a few sentences. That's it. And it works well. He came to my show, you know, we spent time. Uh, and um, I usually learn recipients and think, can I use template or it's better to personalize or uh, to write mm -hmm. everything from scratch? Can you tell about personalization, uh, your approaches, how to personalize message before sending? Yeah. So I see personalization as using like someone's name, someone's company name, right? That's, that's commonly what's thought of as personalization. I don't think that works well anymore. 
um, because everybody's kind of got their, their guard up. Everyone's really jaded, actually. Mm-hmm. We're all like ready for the sell. Like, okay, you're like, you're contacting me. What's the pitch? I'm waiting for it, right? And so to help people like lower their guard, you actually want to be relevant to them. And so I use what's called the relevancy method, which you want to be relevant to your cold emails, readers, dreams, fears, and goals. So how can you, going back, right? What's their problem? How can you solve it? Why should they care? Answer that question for them in their head, which is what's in it for me. And as soon as you can start answering that question for them, you'll find that the email writes itself better and you're not relying on um, personalization, but you can totally use a template. I'm not against templates. I hate writing from a blank page for sure. (laughs) So if I can start with like a draft already or a template, and then like you said, tweak words, but always with that, that goal of how can I make it hyper relevant to my reader? How can I answer that question? What's in it for me in their head and help them see how I can solve their problem and why sometimes it's a problem that they should be solving. Yeah, love it, love it. And you know, it's interesting. I'm not against templates as well, but <laughs> I never use uh, not my templates. I, I can't uh, download any template online because, you know, if you find template online, that means thousand people can use it, you know, so <laughs> it doesn't work. People can get it. Recipients uh, never will uh, consume this template. But if you write yourself, you know, considering like uh, to have a buying persona, to think what kind of uh, information you need to bring. So why not? You can use template even to change a few words on this template, you know, to send yeah. recipients. Can you tell about how to learn recipients today? Uh, what do you do, for example, uh, to learn about recipients, uh, to personalize uh, message or even to use template, but the right template uh, to recipient? Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like we're going to talk like about the research, like what should you look at, right. To research your lead. So this is, I'm so glad you're asking this question because not a lot of people realize the importance of research and it's super important to realize again, who's that person that you're cold emailing? Like, why should they care about what you have to say? So really I like to start off with like a quick Google search, see where this person is. Cause typically in this day and age, everybody's online in some form or fashion, right? So check out, you'll get like a whole list of the sites that you can check out on a specific person, like their social media, maybe they're on Facebook, maybe they've got a website, LinkedIn usually pops up. So start there and start just looking at who this person is. Like, get a little bit curious. Think of it as you're kind of, um, curious about like your high school ex, right? Your old boyfriend or girlfriend from high school. And you're like, I wonder what that person's up to. Is he married? Does he have kids? I wonder if he drives a truck still. Let's see, right? Like indulge that internet stalker just a little bit and see what kind of like information you can pull out. Just be curious. And then you can start looking for like those connection threads. Like, oh, like we, you know, we missed each other at this at college by a couple of years, look, we're both alums at this one college, or I have this other point of connection. Uh, for example, in one cold email I sent, the recipient was in Washington, DC, and my brother at the time lived in DC, and it's one of my favorite cities to visit in the United States. So I referenced that. I was like, you guys have an amazing location for your office. 
And I got a reply on that cold email within a day because I made a connection. So think of it in terms of like light internet stalking for your research. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, interesting, valuable. By the way, I like uh, flowers on your background. You know, it's close to my heart, you know, that I have here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blue and yellow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can feel like support to Ukrainian people in this tough time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having it. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the length of email. You know, uh, I check out uh, many guides about writing email and most of them tell you need to be concise, you know, uh, to write simple uh email without many words just uh, get uh, down to the point you know and but uh you mentioned uh it's a good idea to stand out from the rest uh and uh, i uh, cooperated with you experts who can write emails like an article you know and th they provide great results with that you know because they know how to write email that people want to read because uh, uh for example most recipients have no time to read uh long emails uh, we need to check out more than 100 emails a day it's time consuming but if you can write email that people want to read they can spend more time you know on your email and i know some specialists who can they write templates that people uh, read in the entire uh, the whole email you know can you tell how to find this balance between uh, short and long email from your experience? <laughs> well, if you know the balance, um, I don't. I think it depends <laughs> on <laughs> who you're cold emailing. I think it depends entirely on their personality. Uh, if you're familiar with the DISC personality, there's like four types. And um, you can kind of think of them. To borrow phrasing from a friend of mine, Sage Polaris, she thinks of them as like the characters from friends. So there's, you know, Joey, there's Ross, there's Monica, and there's Phoebe. Yeah, I think those are the four that we talk about basically. But like, you know, someone is like Monica, they're like super direct. So if you're writing someone who's super direct, you could almost put your pitch in the subject line because they just want you to get to the point. Like get to the point, I'm a fast decision maker. I don't need a lot of details. I just need to know like, yes or no. And I'll reply that kind of person. Yeah. So if you're emailing someone like that, sure, you can totally go short. But if you're emailing someone like maybe Ross, who has lots of follow-up questions, they need lots more details. They need, um, they're always going to have more questions, no matter how much you put into your email, but they need enough to feel safe with saying yes the first time. And in that case, you're looking at a longer email. So mm -hmm. really it boils down to like, who are you emailing? It's not, not a one size fits all because if you do put a super short email and send it to someone who has lots of questions, they're not going to feel safe at all replying yes to you because there's so many questions <laughs> and they can't even like, they can't even like parse it down. They just get overwhelmed and they're like, I'm just delete. I just can't handle it. Like I, yeah. <laughs> Um, or someone who meets like lots of numbers. Like if you think about your typical financer, um, someone who's in finance, they, they like the numbers. They want to know what kind of results they're going to get. If they say yes, like, is this more of a sure thing? And if you don't include that, e that information in your email, it's super hard for them to say yes, because again, it's, there's too much unknowns. So once you figure out who you're actually emailing, 
And you'll get a sense of that sometimes from your research. Sometimes I like to use this awesome plugin called Crystal Nose. It works inside your LinkedIn. Based on their algorithm, they'll give you like an educated hypothesis on which of those four pieces of the disk that your recipient falls into and help you kind of craft an email suited for their personality, which is super helpful. Mm -hmm. But really like write, write to them in their personality, help them say yes, because that's that's when you get the conversions. That's when you get the yeses is if you're helping mm -hmm. them feel safe and saying yes. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I read uh, a few guides about uh, selling presentation, how, uh, why customers need to say yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, they have some step-by-step uh, -step, uh, guide. For example, uh, you need to start from basic questions when... Uh, uh, customers can reply yes, and you mm -hmm. can uh, skim them uh, through presentation. What about emails? Uh, how to provoke this feedback to say yes from your customers? Because you mentioned a few uh, tricks, but uh, probably you have some structure or methods how to convince them uh, to say yes or increase the chance to say yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I like to use our micro yeses. So they're little yeses built into each sentence, and you'll get them from your research, from being relevant to your reader by answering that question in their head, what's in it for me? So you're almost reflecting back to them what their reality looks like. You know, for example, like your website looks like it's from the 80s and it's probably dropping a lot of conversions and you would like to have more conversions. Like, so if I've done my research and I know that this is a problem that my reader has, they're going to be nodding along with me. Um, they're going to be saying yes. That's why starting off your email with a compliment is a super smart way to do it because people will not say no to a compliment. So you already have like a yes right in the first line, right? So you're going to say like, oh my gosh, Antonoli, I love your show. It's amazing. You have gotten really good guests on this show. And I can't believe I've never heard of you before. And you're like, yeah, man, <laughs> like I can see you. You're like, you're nodding along with me. So that that's an example of a micro yes. So if you can build those into your email and help your reader like nod along with you and help them nod along all the way up to your call to action, like that ask at the end they're going to be a little bit in the habit of nodding along with you because you've set them up to nod along with you the entire time. And so it will be easier for them to say yes at the end. Nice, nice. Okay, you mentioned, for example, um, yeah. if I write someone uh, that your design is terrible, you know, uh, or obsolete, okay. But, you know, it can hurt the feeling. You know, people might spend time to create this design. Uh, it looks... Uh, clumsy, terrible, but they spend time, you know, and uh, how, um, you know, uh, I found that uh, you need to find the balance between uh, compliments, uh, not over compliment and uh, uh, critic, you know, you can't criticize someone because uh, we don't know how they uh, work hard, you know, to create what they have, for example, yeah, probably they're going to improve uh so uh can you tell how to find this balance between uh you know i ask a lot of questions about balance you know because people <laughs> uh, usually use you know they love best practices uh, uh how to find this uh, ratio between 
uh, I don't know, like uh, compliments and uh, critics. I love that you're asking this because as soon as I said like your websites from 1990, I was like, oh man, this is a horrible example. Like, I hope you asked me a follow-up question because like, please don't put that in an email to someone. Please, please, please. Like, um, I don't know if there's something in the universe lately, but I've been on the receiving ends of a couple of those emails in the past week. And it's just, it's not a good feeling to leave someone with. So what I recommend instead is that you say, I noticed you need help with this. Like, um, for example, back when I was pitching like case studies to SaaS companies, software companies, I was going onto their website and seeing if they had case studies on their website. If they didn't, there's a problem that I can solve for them. So then I would reach out via a cold email and I would say, you know, congrats on your recent growth, some sort of compliment, right? You guys are doing awesome work. Um, I was on your website and noticed you don't have many case studies. Do you need help with this? And then I would talk a little bit about like why case studies are important. Like research shows that you can use case studies in so many different areas of your marketing. You can split them up into an email, nurture email sequence. You can use them as social media posts. You can send them off. Um, if you're trying to get more funding, raise more funding, you can use those to like gain momentum. And I would just simply ask, like, I noticed you don't have this. Do you need help with it? And that, that strikes that balance of you're not criticizing. You're just noticing. You're not, you're not saying like your website looks awful or how can you not have had case studies by this point in your, you know, business? You're just saying, I noticed this. And do you need help? And offering your service as the the solution. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Laura, I have the question about the structure. For okay. example, uh, blog articles have structure intro, main part, uh, we can divide by subheadings, uh, conclusion. What about emails? It's short, no, uh, not big one. Uh, but uh, do we need to structure email, you know, to increase readability and uh, I don't know, like possibility to get yes? So can you add, I'm not I mean, like the, the question is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the structure, do we do you have some uh, special structure like the intro in the first mm -hmm. sentence? I need to write something like this in the second uh, sentence. I need to uh, go to the point uh, in the conclusion. I can uh, submit call to action. I, I just example uh, gotcha. do you have your structure. Yeah. About that. OK, OK, that makes sense. Yeah, there's a little bit of a structure. So really start off with like a compliment or a hook. Um, it sounds really intense, but really your hook is meant to like, like a fish hook, like get someone's attention. Like I cannot look away, right? Um, so a compliment works really well for that. And then start talking about, about their, their problem. And you can use the like, I noticed blah, 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 that kind of, that kind of format, that kind of structure. Like I was on your website and I noticed, um, you know, your, your loading page, your loading time is really slow. Do you need help with this? And then kind of back it up, like help them understand why this matters to their business. And so that's, that was like compliments first paragraph. Right. And then you can ask the question, do you need help? That's kind of the second or the, I noticed that you, here's the gap and then back it up, like prove it. Um, 
Like, why should they care? And see how you can tie it to money for them. Because nobody really cares about hours saved. It's If you say, like, I'll save you 20 hours, like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, time fluctuates. Sometimes it goes fast. Sometimes it goes slow. But money feels way more concrete. So if you can say, I will save you $10,000, suddenly I'm like, $10,000, that's real. That's like, what could I do with $10,000 extra dollars, right? And then after you've talked about all those things, only then should you introduce yourself because that's the only point when they actually care about who you are because now you've gotten their interest peaked. Now they're starting mm. to pay attention and it should be just like a really quick intro. Like, hi, my name is Laura. I'm a cold email and pitch expert and I help companies get more hot, ready to buy clients using cold emails. That's it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, then your last thing is your ask, your call to action. Um, and that should be as a question. And that's like the next step. Like, what's the next step in your sales process? Is it usually it's to get on a call with you, right? But sometimes you can just ask, like, are you interested? And that's, that serves as like the next step. Because if they say no, then you're like, okay, cool. Like, I won't, I won't waste my time. But if they say yes, then you're like, okay, cool. Like, let me take you down the next little steps. Let me put the breadcrumbs out for you and you can follow them along really easily. You know, I, uh, I love your uh, bio on LinkedIn. You know, I, I can feel like <laughs> I'm reading an email, you know, you share the story. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Can you tell about uh, how it's important to share stories uh, on email because you know uh, i see when companies use a lot of features we have great products awesome products but probably other companies have the same products you know with the same features and um, what i like in apple uh, advertisement they you know they share stories they don't yeah. share a lot about features about new iphone apple watch uh, and when i read the stories I overpriced, you know, for all these gadgets because I compare, uh, you know, uh, let me explain why. Once I bought uh, uh, AirPod Pro for $250. Um, good gadget, you know, but, you know, then uh, then I decided to check out another headphone uh, with Bluetooth for $30. You know, for me, it's hard to find the difference between Apple and this gadget. Uh, probably Meizu, I don't remember exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know this brand, but it works well. Uh, then I check out online uh, what is the main difference, and probably musicians uh, or people with good, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, who uh, are working on this industry can understand the difference. But for me, a, a common customer, I don't care, you know, about uh, probably better sound. Uh, so, uh, but Apple can sell me, you know, uh, overpriced products. Uh, can you tell? Yeah. How, uh, you know, because uh, most customers change their heart and money uh, with products if they believe that these products cost more than their money. So uh, can you tell how to share stories uh, on email and yeah, to get a yes in that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you should be sharing stories. And Apple's a great example of that. They um they share a lot of stories. And if you look at their ads, they're mainly story-based. And it's because stories tap into someone's emotions. And if someone doesn't have an emotion, they actually physiologically cannot make a decision. So there's been like lots of studies done um, on people who 
to have their uh, lobotomy, right? And their brain mm-hmm. is separated. And so they don't, they can't access emotions. Um, and those people cannot make a decision. So every decision that you make is actually emotion-based. And that's where story comes in, in such a big, powerful way, because as soon as you can tap into someone's, you know, emotions, then you can help them make a decision. So tell a story, tell the story of your customers, tell the story of how you founded your company, tell the story of like what you were doing this morning. People are always interested, I find, in other people's lives. Like, mm-hmm. um, so wherever you can tell a story instead of talking about the features, tell a story of how like maybe a specific feature in your, in your product helped your customer able to do this, right? Swipe Apple's marketing scheme from them because that's what they do all the time. They tell the story of how their customers were able to do X, Y, and Z because of their Apple phone or their Apple laptop or whatever it may be. So The cool thing is that you can actually put a story into a cold email sequence. If you are emailing like a big list and it isn't, um, it's like a deviation from that like one-to-one email, you can put an email, um, a story into an email sequence and kind of write it like a Netflix, like mini show, like put in cliffhangers, like stay tuned for my email tomorrow to find out what happened. I've done this with a couple of private clients and it works really, really, really well because that story taps into their emotions and it's also really sticky. So it like stays in our brains because our brains are wired for story. It's how we make sense of the world around us. We're constantly telling ourselves stories in our heads about what's going on and why things are happening to us the way they are. So definitely use stories to your advantage. One more thing that I want on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, uh, by the way, guys, you can find the uh, the link to this profile in the description below. And uh, if you want to learn examples how to craft your story, you can read bio, uh, a bio. Uh, and you know uh, what I found that Laura, uh, she, you know, uh, you uh, um, you write uh, you write like in friendly style, not official. You know, probably if I take your uh, text and uh, submit to Grammarly or any other tools, they will show some mistakes. <laughs> but you know, it's it looks friendly. You know, I, I can feel it. You know, I love uh, reading such text because uh, it's friendly and uh, uh, it's the same like speaking. You know, yeah. Uh, I don't know how you wrote this uh, bill, but it looks awesome. Uh, <laughs> Can you tell about uh, finding the right style? For example, if I work in government, I can't like uh, write like this, yeah, because uh, I need to uh, share government official tone. But what about friendly style? Uh, or how, uh, tell your advice how to find this style when you send uh, emails? Yeah, uh, basically, if you're having trouble like finding that friendly style. There's a couple tricks that you can use. Um, one, like grab your phone and use like the voice recording app on it and talk what you want to write out. Just talk it like you would be talking to a friend. Um, like think of a, like a longtime friend and how would you explain this to them? How would you pitch them? Right. And then just just record yourself, talk it out. And then I think that Google Docs, maybe they still do it, but they did do like the talk to transcribe. And sometimes mm-hmm. it gets a little wonky, but you can try that too. Otherwise, you can just submit your like sound file to like temi or rev.com and get it like transcribed really quickly for yourself. 
And then you're not working from a blank page. Then you've kind of got like the friendly embed, like embedded into your email and you can start editing it. Um, the other thing is instead of thinking like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm emailing like a stranger, like this person, I don't know. And that kind of freaks you out. And then all of a sudden you're like, I am not friendly. I am a robot. Like I cannot speak. I have no words. Like I have no language. Right. And you kind of freeze up. You can, instead of thinking about that person as like a stranger, think of them as a, again, a good friend. Like how would you write to your friend? That's usually kind of the, the theme that I go back to when I'm writing an email. Like how can I skip the the formality and how can I like skip right into like, I know you already, like we've already met before, right? How can I tap into that feeling? How would I write to a friend? Would I put like this weird subject line? Like we want to help you make so much money. No, I wouldn't write that. I would write like, check out my new website and that'd be my subject line. And then, you know, then the body of the email would be kind of like slap dashed a little bit and a little bit looser. Um, sometimes you can't, you can't use that style for every industry, like you mentioned government. Um, but at its heart, see how you can, how you can stand out, how your email can look different. How can it feel different from all the other emails that they're getting, especially in your industry? Because after a while, they just all start to look the same. So how can you like push it just a little bit and just dare to be a little bit different and, and tap into like a bit of you. How can you put a little bit of your personality into it? Maybe that's adding like one emoji and everybody in your industry is like, oh, she used an emoji, right? Like, but how can you, how can you inject a little bit of you into your email without, without maybe freaking yourself out? <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. And yeah, if someone works in government, you know, I know their style uh please open this uh, form and uh, fill this formula thousand fields you know uh, write all the information and uh yeah you need to spend uh, a few days uh, to fill it you know so if you have no experience yeah it's the same <laughs> okay <Yeah. laughs> uh, let's talk about common mistakes can you list mistakes that uh companies still do in cold email uh, marketing and uh, your suggestions how to change this approach? Yeah, yeah. I see a common mistake of going what I call right for the marriage. Um, so really, your cold email is not designed to get someone to convert, to pay money right away, right? It's not actually a sales email. It's actually more of a marketing email. So when you go right for the sale, like buy my thing right here. That's actually a lot like, do you remember Britney Spears's like infamous Las Vegas wedding of like 90 hours or something like years mm -hmm. ago, right? She got married and it was, it only lasted like three hot days. That's, that's the equivalent of what people are doing in cold emails. They're asking them to get married in an email that they just sent to a stranger. Instead, you want to kind of like warm up the conversation. You instead, you want to think of it as like, you spot someone at a bar and there's an empty seat next to them and you come over and you take the seat and you say, hey, what are you drinking? That looks really tasty. I'll get one of those. And then you start up a conversation. 
And that's really what a cold email is designed to do. That's when it really works is if you treat it as an interaction, a start of a relationship versus like, let's go around the corner to the church around the corner and let's go get married and like, let's seal the deal. That's not how it works. So, so like dial it back guys, (laughs) dial it back. Just see if you can get like, are you interested? Yes, I'm interested. So that would probably be the biggest mistake. And then the other mistake is um, they're not, you're not, they're not sending the email to themselves before sending it out. So sometimes like formatting looks funky, like it'll look fine at first, or if you're using a template, sometimes like the cut and the copy and the paste formatting comes through and that's like a red flag right away, you know, like here's a fragment and then the sentence continues and, and it all looks choppy and disjumbled and that's an immediate red flag. So make sure the formatting looks like legit help, help your reader, like feel okay about opening this email and not like they're going to get infected with a laptop bug and get their whole internet hacked. Right. So make them feel safe. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Uh, I have the question. Let's, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do today to learn more about uh, cold email marketing? Oh my goodness. Nobody's ever asked me that question before. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, What would I do? I would, I would pay a lot of attention to the emails in my inbox is probably what I would do. I would be Mm -hmm. looking at the emails that I'm getting. I would sign up for a lot of newsletters, especially the people that I would want to work with or partner up with. And I would start reading their emails and I would start seeing what's going on in their worlds because that's like an inside look into their world. Like, what are they working on? Do they have a launch coming up? Do they have a new product coming up? How could I help them? Do they need help in this area? And start getting curious about that. And then I would also at the same time start paying attention to the emails that I'm replying to and why I'm replying to those emails. And is there something in that email that helps me reply quicker or put it on the back burner and like delay on it? And if so, what is that thing? And then I would say, you need to be on my email list (laughs) and learn from me. Um, I would love to have you in my world. Uh, So valuable. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Uh, I have the final question about the future of uh, cold email because you know uh, i often see when uh, marketers uh, tell uh, not marketers i mean like uh, new marketers or uh, companies uh, tell that seo is dead uh, content marketing is dead uh, uh, facebook is dead you know uh, what about emails <laughs> because of course uh, you know uh, i i discovered why people are telling like this in most cases because they tried failed and it's simpler to tell it's that than uh, trying to figure it out to yeah. spend time to learn more because the era of lazy marketers is that yeah it's really yeah. this era is that but not uh, email marketing not seo not anything else it depends on you uh, so it's much simpler to complain than do something to update to change to mm-hmm. find what actually works for you can you tell about the future of cold email because many things are coming metaverse Web Free Zero, what do you think? What kind of future will be in email marketing? 
yeah, you know, I'm excited to see what comes because cold emails like five, 10 years ago did really well. They did really well. And now they're not doing as well. And they don't do really well if you're kind of following outdated practices, like what you were talking about. Like if you're reluctant to change and to evolve, I don't think your cold emails will do very well. Um, So I think that you need to be willing to experiment. I think that's going to be the biggest thing is I don't think email is going anywhere basically because it's the last form of kind of like written communication that we have between people. People used to write letters back and forth. When was the last time you got a handwritten letter in the mail from someone? Me, like years, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But email still has that, that flavor of handwritten letters and people are wired for connection. So I don't think it's going anywhere, but I think if you're not willing to experiment and, and maybe your method is working now, but that doesn't mean you should stop experimenting. I think as long as you keep experimenting, you're going to stay not fresh, but your cold emails are going to keep working and your emails across the board actually are going to keep working as long as you're still looking for that connection and experimenting. I think those two things together are really going to spell success in email marketing as a whole. Nice, nice. I remember when Rand Fishkin on uh, my event uh, told interesting thing that he prefers to have uh, one email than 10 uh, social media followers. Because really? on, yeah, because on email, you can impact uh, to decision to open your email. It's up to you. But on social media, you can't uh, convince social media to share your posts because most posts are dying, you know, uh, for a few minutes. Uh, people, uh, it's hard, you know, uh, to yeah. impact to decision to social media to show your post. But on email, you can. You can. It's up to you if you craft the right message. So, guys, you can learn from Laura. Follow her on social media. Tell the best way how to reach out to you, how to learn more about you, how to follow you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> I'm not really on social media, so I probably not. Don't find me there. Um, but you can definitely sign up for my email list. And if it's cool with you, Antonoli, I'd love to put together. I did put together like a really quick little gift for your listeners for like tuning in and listening to us talk about cold emails. Um, you guys can find it at lauralopich.com forward slash Antonoli. And it, there are some cold email templates in there. They are not, they are not like copy paste. They give you some room to be yourself. Um, they're more like guidelines, more like frameworks for you. And then there's also some actual real life emails in there as well. So you can see like, here's where I start and here's how I could finish to give you an idea. Yeah, nice, nice. Guys, you can find a website link in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time, Laura. It's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn all this valuable insights. Guys, you need to subscribe to this newsletter to look, to keep learning because you can see a lot of value. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.